You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. And let me add one one of my fears as a woman, and I'm, I guess I, I've never really spoken this out loud, is, um, and we have a lot of, right now, we have, it, it's starting to become a mix of younger and older, but a lot of our, our clients that pay the majority of the bills right now are older, you know, a little more traditional. What are they going to think when Dustin's younger sister takes over or becomes more of the boss or, you know, the one who's calling the shots? Like, how are they going to feel? How, how, what is their reaction to that going to be? That was Dustin Granger and Danielle Granger-Nava, the brother-sister duo of Toujours Planning, a full-service wealth management firm that caters to young professionals and pre-retirees across the U.S. They joined me today to work through what it's like to work with a sibling. This topic is interesting to me, and I hope of service to listeners who've always wondered whether they wanted their business to be a family business. Listen in as we explore what makes a great working relationship with siblings and what the one clear do not pass go marker is. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Dustin, Danielle, it's so wonderful to talk to you again. Again, thanks for hosting me on your podcast during the Start Finishing Book Tour. Um, It was a super great conversation. And what I was really fascinated by when I talked to you is like, this is interesting. This is a brother-sister business, right? Um, And you're young-ish. And so it's not like, you know, an older school, you know, sort of scenario. I was like, I want to have a conversation about that because so many of our creative giants and listeners are curious about working with their family and creating businesses that, you know, they can work with their family. And then there's others that are like, oh, hell no, I will never do that. And here you are this morning, still smiling. Um, and so you're either smiling for me or you're, you don't, you know, you're not fighting with each other enough that I can't see it. So thanks so much for joining <laughs> and talking about this. Well, thanks for having us. And you yeah. already hit the nail on the head. There seems to be two camps. Like you said, the people who are intrigued and interested and, and the other camp is like hell to the no impossible yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah I'm, I'm smiling just because danielle and i just had like a little meeting we we're just talking about this podcast like 20 minutes ago and it was just a fun meeting we just joke and we just get along i love it yeah. i love it so um, tell us a little bit more about your business and how you got into business together, just to do some table setting and give us some context. Then we'll dive in a little bit deeper. Dustin, you go. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we're, um, we're financial advisors and certified financial planners. So we work with people of all ages to plan for their future and then help, help them invest their money uh, to, make, uh, to make the lifestyle that they want. And I, um, went, it all, my, our father was in this business back then. It was, he did mostly, it was called being a stockbroker. Things are way different now, but, um, we, we both didn't know much about what our dad did. He never talked about it. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute because there's some funny stories in there. But, um, I remember I went to business school at LSU and worked a couple years 
um, after I graduated back then there was, uh, it was right after nine 11. So, uh, there was a recession after that. So it was hard finding a job. And dad called me one day and said, Hey, do you want to come work for me? And I said, sure. What do you do? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how I started. And I think that's why I love the job so much because we never felt that pressure. And, uh, that was about 16 years ago. And from then on, I was recruiting Danielle for like 10 years. I recruited Danielle because I knew that we make a great team and I needed somebody to work with. So Danielle, 10 years, what, that's a long, first off, Dustin, I'm glad you're a financial planner because you got to work on people for a long time. Ten year plan to get Danielle to join. So I'm curious about that transition. Danielle, what was your resistance at first and how did you get warmed up to it? The resistance was based on pure fear of not, of, of the industry being so intimidating. Um, and also just being as a young girl entering in the workforce and just taking just a, a broad stroke look at the industry. It's all older white men. And I was like, that's clearly, I don't belong there. And it was intimidating. I was intimidated by my econ classes in college. But the other side of that was I was really in love with marketing and I still am today. So I graduated with like a business marketing degree and really just went with that because it was, I loved it. it was, I was good at it. And then fast forward to 2015 is when Dustin put the hard sell on. And I was like footloose and fancy free in New Orleans, living my best single life, but also kind of had just started settling down with my now husband and knew my future was heading towards moving back to our hometown, which is where we are now. And it was just the timing was right. And I kind of said to him, he's like, he goes, what is it you think that I do? I go, I have no idea what you do. And it scares the shit out of me. So tell me what you do. And when he explained it to me, I was like, oh, you know, he talked a lot about relationship building and trust. And I was like, I'm really good at that. So that's actually, I pulled in some of my marketing skills and um, the timing was right. And just finally said, yes, I've always wanted to work with him. And, And there we go. Here we are. Okay, so what I'm hearing is, which is interesting, I did not expect that answer, but I never know what answer to expect, right? Mm -hmm. Is it wasn't so much working with your brother that was the the resistance, but the industry itself? If anything, yeah, it was only the industry because I think, yeah, he already said he wanted to work with me since the day he started. I always worked with him and there was a little part of me deep down that knew I'd probably end up here. Even though, you know, like with every thread of my being, I tried to resist it, but it just made sense when the time came. And uh, yeah, it it was never, had never anything to do with, I I don't want to work with my brother at all. Yeah. Danielle, I'm going to slide something in that's been a recurring conversation with a lot of people in our community. And this is specifically about women who have expertise. Um, And so, Danielle, this may or may not resonate with you, but it's been a thing that's come up is that a lot of times when we put an adjective in front of their expertise. Like I'm a, you know, personal financial planner. Then it's like, I'm not so good at that. But when you explain what actually happens, like, Oh, I know how to do all of that. And so it's just that label that has been really intimidating for a lot of people. We have some of that going on in our team as well. So it's both in the community and in our team. So for instance, if I ask Angela to come up with a marketing plan, she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm not a marketer. I don't know. And I'm like, well, tell me about how you're going to let people know about this thing and, and make it interesting. It's like, oh, I know how to do that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I, I saw a thread of that. It may be projection, but it's like calling, like putting that label on it 
was like, mm-hmm. ah, I can't do that. I'm not that. But when you explain the function, you're like, actually, I'm great at that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think representation is very important. You know, when when you're looking to start doing something and, and you don't see like a mirror reflection of other people that you don't have anyone that you can say, oh, well, well, she did it. I can do that. You know, that's a I think that's a big element for a lot of females in any type of professional uh, uh, career out there. Yeah, Danielle mentioned like it was all pretty much old white guys. Uh, Things have been changing the last 10 years, little by little. But yeah, it was, I can see how it was very intimidating. Yeah, especially for me. Yeah, even for me starting out, I'm like, you know, this young guy, I still look young. Back then I looked like Mm -hmm. a baby. So. Yeah, and it's like, am I going to give this guy all of my, like, am I going to trust him with my inheritance and my estate and things like that? Like, you know, he can barely drink. How's he going to tell me about retirement? <laughs> yeah, it was imposter. It was like the first five years were like imposter syndrome, uh, trying to get over that. I'm over it now, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, about a decade ago, um, I was like, you know, with what I do, because I was 28, 29 at the time, I was like, in about 10 years, this is going to be really good. I'm going to be in that sweet spot as an executive coach and business coach because I'll have, I won't look like I'm 26 and 27, right? And <laughs> turns out I was pretty much right on that. It's both time and seat, right? And like doing the work and getting my 10,000 hours. But also, you know, there are certain professions where, you know, um, having a few wrinkles actually helps you out a bit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that was for me when I thought when I finally decided internally I was going to join him. I was like, I better do this as soon as possible. I got some ground to catch up on because at that time I was 32 starting a whole new career. 32 starting a whole new career. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this business, too, is kind of funny. I was reading a book the other day about uh, it's called the ensemble practice about uh, the kind of firm that we're building in the guy in there said that it takes about 10 years for an advisor to really come into themselves and start developing business and stuff. I was like, you know, that's about right. So 10 years, that's 10, thousand hours. 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And so I, for everyone listening, that's newer. What I want to encourage you is if you really want to do this, are you willing to invest in the 10,000 hours or 10 years? It's going to take you to get there. Because if you know that almost everyone that you look up to has put in those hours, and don't just think that you're the super bright unicorn that can jumpstart to being the expert, right? It takes a lot of time, right? Right. Um, and so it reminds me, I've, I've been on this Matrix kick recently, but Morpheus and Matrix 1, you know, said something stuck with me. It was like, um, knowing the path and walking the path are two different things. And mm-hmm. some of that, what you got to learn as an advisor is that difference between walking the path and knowing the path um, mm-hmm. and being able to walk that path with clients, no matter whether you're a financial advisor or an executive coach or business coach or whatever you do, just knowing that difference between walking and knowing. Yeah, I like that. That's true. I agree with that. So am I under- is your dad still in the business or did he exit? He kind of bailed pretty early. <laughs> he, he hung around for a while so he uh like I, I started in 2004 and then like i was in the business till about 2007 and then the financial crisis started and my dad is basically like too old for this shit mm-hmm. i'm like you take over i was like what the whole world's falling apart like <laughs> and now you want me to take over i'm like 20 something years old 
He's like, whatever. And uh, so he was still there, but I had to like really just learn uh, in the middle of a storm. And that was very formative time uh, for myself and especially my career and everything going through that and holding clients' hands as a 20 something year old, like, Hey, everything's going to be all right. I promise, <laughs> you know, we can get through this. Yeah. And then he just, he kind of hung around and yelled at the TV for another five or seven <laughs> years. So he yeah, had a TV on his office, you know, yelling about politics and stuff like that. And yeah, hung out in there, you know, he was back up sometimes, but, uh, then, like, uh, uh, when we started our own company, we, uh, who's that guy in office space that they kept moving him to the other rooms and to, the, like, the, the, <laughs> the closet? Stapler. Yeah, the stapler. Yeah, stapler. I think it's Milton, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, my dad, dad just basically, we just, uh, we had an office for him, and then we always joked about how we're just going to move him into the closet, because he never came into the office anyway. We just had an empty office for him for another few years, so... So now we just, now we work at home now. We don't even have a physical office because Hurricane Laura, Laura destroyed our office and it hasn't been rebuilt yet. So we're, now we're just staying virtual. Yeah. Well, that's such a dad move. Be like, no, this is, this is going south here. You take it. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> later. <laughs> so what family dynamics did you learn from working with your dad that you had to unlearn to start working with Danielle? Oh yeah, that's a good question because my dad and I were, are like complete opposites. Um, he's a doomsdayer. I'm an optimist. We look nothing alike. Everybody used to joke how we just, I'm the milkman son. Yep. Yep. That's uh, the sad thing. I was about to say the milkman. I grew up in Arkansas. Y'all, so uh, yeah. Milkman. We, 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 we do have some characteristics though, the more I think about it, but uh, I think it was just really, he was, he was a good mentor to me. You know, he's, in a dad way, you know, and I really appreciate all those years with my father. I got to spend like on a daily basis. Not many people get that. So, uh, I tried to appreciate that, tried to learn from him because before that he had like 30 years of experience. Uh, so he was still there for me. And whenever I was stressed, I'd come in there and just like, he would give me like a good dad talk. So, and now I guess I'm the uh, mentor to Danielle and it's, it's different because I'm not, Father, I'm like a brother, and I'm, but I'm, it's, it's, it just feels different, I guess. Danielle, what do you think? I think, well, I noticed that sometimes uh, Dustin, we, we have a joke inside the family, like Dustin can, he's cool, calm, and collected, but like if you take it one step further than his lit limit, we start singing the freak out song because he just <laughs> kind of blows his top sometimes. And yeah. I, I guess it's, it's been funny through the years. We've had a lot of blow your top moments and he comes into my office for like calmness and solace. And like, I find myself calming him down more than him coming to me and telling me to, you know, calm down and don't freak out. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely a different dynamic, but I feel like, um, you know, just the fact that Dustin and I have, you know, dad, is, they have a father son element, but Dustin and I have a friend element. So at the end of the day, we kind of come to each other as a hybrid of sibling, but also like, like best friends as well. So there's a lot of, there's nothing we can't discuss between each other. 
Yeah, I think we have the be- we have the same sense of humor. I think ben- I always tell yeah. people like I think I like Danielle so much because she laughs at all my stupid jokes. <laughs> vice versa yeah I think that's like what I was referring to as like a best friend that your best friend knows like when you're telling a joke and can get those like little subtle things and and how you communicate and there's just like an understanding and that's Mm -hmm. what being a sibling can can bring to the a working relationship yeah what I've learned is that most of being a family is knowing all your inside jokes Um, and and being able to sort of go with it, but also not calling out all this, all the sort of trash that happens in family. Just like, you know what? I'm just going to let that one go. Right. Um, Of course, over the last few years, we've had to have more conversations about what we're willing to let go and what we're not. But, you know, it's a lot of inside jokes of like, this would not be funny to anyone else. Right. Yeah. Um, um, So I will say our parents are kind of, characters and we've had outside people outside of the family concur to that so yeah. <laughs> we've, we've, we've got a lot to laugh about in our family usually even like everyone is like this and it's probably like that with everybody but you feel like everyone's like this character in a movie like we're all kind of outrageous and silly so it makes yeah. it, it makes it fun when we talk about talk about it all yeah, yeah, you're making like, me miss my Southern folk in a way because I've lived in the Midwest and I've lived in the Pacific Northwest and there are no characters like Southern characters yeah, right. like just going to their house is like a Seinfeld episode or something. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell me about the first real heavy tension point that you all had in your working relationship and how you resolved that. Hmm. I guess just um, maybe. I know hard left there, guys. <laughs> like, we're, we're having fun, but hard left. Yeah, because we're kind of both. Since we started our own business, we've been thrust into like managerial roles too. So um, where I'm a manager, where I'm kind of managing Danielle in a way, but Danielle's the manager of everybody else. So just um, we're figuring out like all the problems that happen in small businesses and just, uh, you know, just how to do everything. Really, you just kind of start from scratch. Uh, Like like you're kind of out on your own first day, like, leaving for college or something. It's like, how do I, how do I get insurance? How do I wash my clothes? Stuff like that. So it's, we're just figuring things out. And so, yeah, we, um, there's tension sometimes with this and, but I think, um, we're good at resolving it really quick. Like, I think we just have a conversation and we're just like, um, we relate to each other. If I, if I like, blow up or uh get mean for a minute i I try to apologize right after say like (laughs) sorry sorry for sorry for raising my voice just now and i think we just then we go back i needed i needed that when we were younger (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i think the times that we've had we haven't we have for the record we haven't really had a big fight there's been no big rift, but there has yeah. been, disagree- dis- I think it, uh, I've been trying to think about this while he's talking, the disagreements have been in our communication style, both in how I think, because we have a podcast and so we have to do a lot of communicating in that way. And so we differ, like sometimes it's, we're trying to make the same point, but we're explaining it in a way that the other one can't understand. And then uh, our minute, like he was talking about management, but uh, we both have different management styles. Mm-hmm. And so when we're, when you're both managing the same people, you'll have disagreements about that and it's trying to resolve that. But it's, 
but it's nothing that we haven't been able to talk through and kind of come out in a better place because of it. Yeah, we do have different managerial style. Like Danielle, I'm more like easygoing. Danielle's like tough, like doesn't put up with anything. So sometimes I like I like when she's tough because then I get to be the good cop, and it's kind of not fair to her that I get to be the good cop all the time. You know, uh-huh. and I kind of yeah. feel bad that I make her be the bad cop. You know, sometimes. So. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, our <laughs> listeners can't see it, but I was like, I imagine that's really confusing to have Danielle. If you're an employee and you have Danielle, you know, giving constructive feedback and she's probably sort of smiling at you. And you're like, I don't, this is hard right now. I don't know what's going on. Right? Uh, she's saying something, but it's soft. I, I don't know right? So what to do with this information. Um, for, for the record, Angela's kind of like that too. Right. So, um, Yeah. Yeah, so, it is. It's hard. I've 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 been having some challenges managing find finding like confidence in that management of giving that constructive feedback, but like also wanting to be respected and all those things. Managing is hard. It's hard. Um. Yeah, it's the toughest part of being a small business owner in the sense mm-hmm. of you know people a lot of times when they think of executives and how hard it is to leave that is like, actually it's not right. Not nearly as hard to be an executive when you got a full staff and you got HR and you got all of that support structure. Turns mm-hmm. out that small teams need bigger leaders because they have to do all the things and do that well. And it's just tougher in a lot of ways. Um, and it's not what people usually start businesses understanding that that's what they're getting into. Um, and right. it's tr- yeah, it's trickier for y'all because um, so l- hard lessons learned for people is like, you can be an expert in your field. You can be great at what you do, but it doesn't necessarily translate to you being a great business owner, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because there are different competencies and different sets of skills. So that's a hard lesson for a lot of folks to learn is like, but I'm really great at what I do. I should be good at business. I'm like, no, you're not good at running a business and that's okay. You can learn that, but like, stop shaming yourself about thinking that that, that that's a hundred percent transferable. Now, in your circumstances, I think it's really interesting because as you're growing your team and really separating managerial responsibilities, and we start talking about accountability, responsibility, and um, um, authority, it can get super tricky because I'm imagining that between you two, you're pretty fluid with that, but that may be confusing for the rest of the team. Is that? Do you see that showing up? Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, you got it. You got You got to pay. It was true. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so teammates are like, "Who's actually my boss?" Yeah, and we have to. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, that comes up uh, every so often. And um, something I've been thinking about recently: how and you know, we try to create an org chart, um, but um, but it, yeah, it is because we make a lot of decisions jointly. So it's not very clear. And sometimes like if there's an issue about like paid time off, like, oh, we didn't really think about putting all these questions that they have into the procedure manual. Like, so I don't know what the answer is. So then Danielle and I have to get together in a brainstorming session that we try to do every couple of weeks. And we like hash out a lot of things and make like a bunch of decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Danielle, how's that for you when you're, what I understood was like, you're probably the day-to-day people manager and yet these questions are coming up before you need to answer them between that meeting. How's, how's that working for you? 
You know, as you're asking these questions, I'm like, actually, this is something maybe Dustin and I need to work out because Dustin actually is the day-to-day manager, but it's something that uh, we're trying to fix as far as like not everyone always coming to him all the time because, you know, he still does, you know, the majority of the important work as we're all trying to catch up experience-wise with him. So that's where like up until now it's been kind of like I've been helping, you know, kind of a, uh, an arm or a leg of what, of his man, uh, total managing to help him out, do some um, delegating and some managing, but I can like, we already know this, but it is causing some kind of communication issues and there needs to be a clear hierarchy, right? I don't know that whether or not we've done a good job of that is something we need to address. But yeah, it's, it's hard, you know, because I want to, I want to, I want to be a good manager and I want to uh, motivate and inspire my team. I also want to be respected. And I don't want, you know, I don't want them thinking like, who's, who is she, you know, is she my boss now? You know, I don't want those kind of thoughts around my leadership. So it's definitely something we need to hash out as we grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, both of you are still smiling with each other, which is a great thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes I ask that question and, and the smile stop all of a sudden. So yeah, it's just part of <laughs> it's part of the the learning curve of like you know, um, it's one thing to have a small practice where you two are working together. It's another thing to have a growing practice where you're co managing people and, and things get. Um, I don't want to say interesting because we under we overuse interesting to talk about you know, like when with things, but it's this challenge of a really great things and really hard things and things you hadn't mm-hmm. thought about, and um, you know, it's it's just part of the journey, and it makes me curious about how you two signal or create a a boundary for when you're not talking about work and when you're talking about just family friend stuff. So how do you all work through that? Because I know that's super tricky when you're with your co-manager and co-owner. Like if you're together, um, it's I learned this from I think I think it was Malcolm Gladwell that talked about transactional memory, where when you're with the team that you're working with, one person processes the information that's relevant for their responsibility, the other person processes information. But it's kind of like when you're together, you're both still co-processing stuff. So in a less abstract way, that means when you're co-managing co-owners, if you're together, the default is that you're thinking about those things. So how do you override that default? That is a, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, do you mean, I, like I, outside of, you mean like outside of work? Or, yes, um, let's say you're picking up, you're hanging out with your spouses and it's a family thing or it's just a U4 thing, right? Um, how does it, how does it not slide into talking about work or how do you catch each other? Like what are the ways in which you get out of it? Cause when you slide into it, I think we're pretty good about it. Like we don't, we don't really ever talk about work outside of work because really we, we work to have fun anyway. And when we're, we're kind of, when we get together, we, we all, all of our families like to have fun and stuff. So we don't like to, you know, throw in a womp womp like about yeah. something unless it's something funny about work sometimes it'll be like an inside joke uh, about work and we just kind of have a little chuckle and then we just keep talking about whatever or if an I, I know for me like an idea pops up and I'll I, like the other day when we were at Dustin your house uh, 
beginning of the year and like his wife was talking about something in her business and it gave me an idea. And I was like, Hey, Dustin, we need to do, we need to have a something like this. And it's kind of just like a, let me tell him right now. So I don't forget kind of a thing. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. And then we come around to visit, but yeah, we, we really have pretty good uh, boundaries drawn between family and work. We keep it. And then even now the reverse with work, um, we will sometimes we have design kind of designated times uh, where we can just chit chat about like Dustin mentioned before we got on this call, we were, you know, checking our outlines for the podcast and stuff, but then we kind of segue into like something personal, you know, that was something that's going on within Dustin's life. That's exciting. And so we were talking about that and joking and just sharing that news. So, but we're, but we're pretty good. It's kind of like, we just, we just switch, we just switch it up and we're able to go back and forth pretty fluidly. Hmm. And when, yeah. when we were in the, when we were in the office together, especially we got to talk more. It would be like, let's, let's address this business issue. And then, Oh, what do y'all, what do y'all doing this weekend? And then we like move into <laughs> family, but then we we're like, okay, bye. And then we're back in the business. So. And I think that's the natural deep. I think because we're siblings, we naturally do that and keep have that boundary because I think sometimes with some of our other workers where um, if we're like in a, a event where it's more laid back and we're not, Hey, we're not really talking about work. That's when we have a harder time communicating. It's almost like, Oh, it's okay. We'll get, we'll get to that later. Don't think about work, you know, and you almost have to say it because they may be thinking like, Oh, Dustin wants to talk about work or, um, but with Danielle and I, it's like, it's almost like we're, um, we can read each other's minds a lot easier. Yeah, that's really cute. I'm, I'm fascinated by this because as I've had more conversations with that, a lot of times when you have co-owners and things like that, that's a really hard thing to do to separate that. And so especially I've seen this more in um, life partner teams, husband, wife, 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 husband, husband teams, right? Um, where it's just so co-enmeshed and everything sort of rolling together that they have to carve out more time. Um, I've also seen it more where, um, well, we're currently, um, I, I've made the brave choice of hiring my best friend who's great at what he did, um, what he does and what our business needed as our CMO. And yeah. so we're carving out how we're going to separate those two relationships, the best friend relationship and the, you know, sort of CEO, CMO relationship and making sure that on the one hand, we're not always just colluding on work, right? On the other hand, if we are hanging out and we have a cool idea and we both are sort of idea generators that we're just not like sitting there for an hour, like, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about yeah. it. Don't talk about it. Right. Cause that's also, <laughs> right. And so I've seen that dynamic definitely in partner, partner and, in you know, really great friends that end up working with each other. So, you know, um, I think that's a huge benefit and maybe it is the nature of your siblinghood where mm -hmm. you learn to separate parts of your life from, from your sibling as you were growing up as teenagers that made it a lot easier for you to transition to an adult. I don't know, just hypothesis. Yeah. 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 Cause I'm trying to picture if, if, if it were just where we were friends that that would, that instantly would get a little trickier, but yeah, I think, I think it definitely has to do with being a sibling that has just like that, that underlying knowledge that, your blood, you know, so there's nothing you can do to like separate that at the end of the day, you're, you're always going to be family. I think there, that provides some sort of like safety net as far as communication goes. 
and how you work yeah. things out. Yeah, I think you also, if I understand the, the origin story, you started as really great friends and then well, who happened to be siblings? Well, yeah. when you said Danielle, I was a mean brother. <laughs> no, well, I mean, your business. Like, when you started the business, you had you had your adult friendship as opposed to your teenager. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, we're all, not all. Most of us are not our best versions of ourselves when we're teenagers, right? Right. Yeah, we became closer friends in high school. So, yeah, it kind of stuck since then. Like, high school right. and college. And it's like, we kind of still have that same relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, and again, I don't know if the age difference of having like older brother, younger sister, you know, that kind of mentoring, uh, that dynamic you could maybe dive into too, as far as like um, him wanting to like look out and protect his sister and me looking up to my older brother. There's a three year age difference. So when he was a senior, I was a freshman in both high school and college. So that age, you know, that exact dynamic might have had something to do with it too. But um, yeah, we, we definitely entered into business together with a solid friendship base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes a big difference. And some of the other siblings I've talked to, they didn't have a strong friendship before they became um, business partners. And so they were working mm-hmm. out family dynamics and friend dynamics at the same time. And that, mm. that is what I would predict would make the difference there. Um, yeah. You know, as far as that goes, but I'm, I'm wondering, um, we can edit this out if this gets too, <laughs> if this gets too much. So um, <laughs> what I'm wondering is what I would predict is that with the older brother, younger sister mentor looking up relationship that a lot of the management issues that she might be doing would be Danielle, you sort of stepping up and being a full partner and manager and Dustin, you letting go and not protecting your little sister. And so um, that would be the predictive pattern that I would expect to be playing out with that relationship. Do you see fractals of that starting to happen? Yeah. Cause um, I am wanting to let go more because uh, I'm, I have like a passion to get into politics and uh, run for office and stuff. And that means like, Danielle having like, cause I've been, I've been holding on to a lot of this stuff too long. Um, and now it's kind of like, I'm opening up the floodgates to Danielle a bit. Um, and, um, that's all kind of a recent thing, but, um, and I'm not resistant to that. Like, I'm not like, Oh, give, give me the power. Give me the management. It's more of like, I want to become, a, I want to get better at it. And, uh, and I, I'm trying to learn from him and some taking bits of his style, which because Dustin has this, he has a, a natural born leader element to him and um, and is a people person in the sense of like he he motivating, inspiring comes natural to him. Maybe not that it doesn't to me, but he's just like really good at it. So I, you know, naturally want to compare myself to that even though I know my skills are different and I have certain, you know, positives that he doesn't and pros, but I'm wanting to take his pros and mesh them with mine to become better. So uh, there's no, uh, there's no um, resistance or, uh, you know, angst in that process of of shifting it to me. It's just us trying to figure it out really. 
mm-hmm. make it seamless. Yeah. So sort of Danielle, you finding your own path that's not Dustin, but takes on some of the parts of it, but still allowing yourself to be you and Dustin exactly. you being able to honor like the way she's going to do it is different than the way that you've done it. Um, and you got to let that go. And I like that. I've noticed Danielle already is starting to do that. Just how her ideas are flowing. And I'm like, yeah, I've never thought about we could do that. And uh, just fits Danielle more naturally. I'm like, hell yeah. I'm glad that I feel like Danielle is, um, uh, Knowing that um, um, I, I need to let go more and fast, I feel like she's like ready to seize on it. Yeah, seems like you've got a great working partnership here, and I love seeing that. I absolutely love seeing that. So I'm not trying to poke too many things, but it's like this is really curious. I'm really fascinated by this. <laughs> so you've mentioned a lot of the great things, right? You got a great friendship, <laughs> right? Um, your management styles are co-evolving in a way that's working. So what's the hardest thing about working with the sibling? Hmm. Uh, for me, it's just the fear there, even though like we're so, we feel so secure in the relationship right now, my underlying fear is like, what if like this huge rift happens and something really damages the sibling relationship or the friendship, you know, um, what, like, is something going to happen or, or am I going to do something to like lose a client, like a huge client or something, for example, and how is that going to cause a rift in our relationship or my fear of failing Dustin too? Cause I feel like this is dad started the business, but Dustin's the business we have today, he built. So for me, it's kind of a lot of fear-based stuff. Yeah. And it's not that way with me at all. Um, like I don't feel, feel, feel like we'll have a rift or anything like that. And I know Danielle will be successful. I think more with me, it's um, like being big brother, like wanting her to be successful and making sure she's prepared to be successful. I want, I don't want it to be my fault that things get messed up. And like Danielle fears maybe losing clients. Like to me, I don't, that's just part of it anyway. So I know I, in a way kind of want her to, to, to get used to it and uh, get those rocks in, you know? And um I just want her to like know that I'll always like be there to help, even if I step away in some parts. And let me add one one of my fears as a woman, and I'm I guess I, I've never really spoken this out loud is, um, and we have a lot of right now we have it, it's starting to become a mix of younger and older, but a lot of our our clients that pay the majority of the bills right now are older, you know, a little more traditional. What are they going to think? when Dustin's younger sister takes over or becomes more of the boss or, you know, the one who's calling the shots, like, how are they going to feel? How, how, what is their reaction to that going to be? That's one of my underlying fears. Too. Yeah. And, and I'm like, whatever, if they can't handle it, then we don't want them, you know? And I, and I, I exactly. I feel like that at the same time too, but that's just one of my insecurities that pops up that I have to like kind of, hammer away on but there has, yeah there's there's been a couple that have been like kind of mean to her and it really makes me mad uh because they're not that way to me at all yeah and i'm just going to name it there's an element of southern culture where it's much more patriarchal in a way so it hasn't yeah. like if we were talking about this in new york or california I'd be like what are you talking about as much but yeah. 
you know, that's one of the areas where the South has a lot of work to do. Many of the areas where, like I would say, you know, it's work on. So there's definitely that, you know, y'all in Louisiana, right? So there's mm-hmm. a, there's a different there's a different sort of vibe that happens there. Not trying to trash, not trying to like, you know, rain on Southern culture because you. And on the hand, I love it, but that's just one of those areas we know mm. we need to work on it. You know, yeah, we need hundred yeah. percent. We we agree. Nail on the head. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I'm curious about how you two speak to those underlying fears when there's starting to be some um, gaps or some awkwardness happening as far as management and secession and letting go, stepping up, that sort of thing. Yeah, things are harder now, too, because now we're virtual, even though we live a block away from each other, um, all of our management. So we're still like trying to figure out like how to manage our team when we're not in front of each other at all anymore. And with COVID, we don't get together face-to-face much. When that passes, we want to get together uh, face-to-face sessions. But it's like dealing with Slack and stuff. It's like, ah, it, it, we need a phone call to explain this. But we're, it's too easy to fall into to Slack and being lazy and just texting and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Well, I, I guess because you, you said, how do, how do we manage that fear? And I know for this kind of transition that we're talking about of, of Dustin potentially kind of loosening his grips, um, the way we address the fear is that Dustin has slowly and is starting to ramp up uh, letting go of control of the key elements of what we do, the financial planning process. So I'm starting to lead most of the, you know, starting to lead client meetings and doing the actual work of getting in the financial plan. He's training me like what exactly to look for, even though I've kind of been doing this for the last past five years, we've always kind of done it side by side. He's always led the way because that's what he's comfortable in doing. And I'm comfortable letting, I've been comfortable letting him do it and just kind of learning from him, soaking in, taking notes, but it's like, okay, now's the time to set me free and do it on my own. And so there's a learning curve there that we're initiating now. Yeah. Like you mentioned earlier, Charlie, like walking the path, you know, I can teach her for years, a lot of certain things, but it's like, you don't really learn until you just like when my dad let me go in 2007, that's where I like everything. My entire career was made. I learned everything at that moment. And, and me kind of just coming back to a place of I've got, the same credentials as Dustin, you know, it, the only difference is the amount of years of experience, but just reminding myself, like I've earned this spot, you know, I've worked hard for it and I've earned it and I'm on my way to getting those years behind me. But, um, I, the way me personally, I work of, you know, especially as women, everyone has fears, but women in this industry, they, there's a lot of them. They constantly pop up. And I just, kind of just I I acknowledge them I realize that they're there and then I kind of pump myself back up you know right confidence and thinking about where we've been and that I'm capable stop the comparison game um and really just kind of step into the person that I want to be and knowing that I deserve that nice nice yeah the the trick about this is um we learn how to ride a bike by falling. I mean, yes, by pedaling and things like that, but like, 
you know, it's, it's like, you know, the parenting or the sibling or however, whoever taught you how to ride a bike at a certain point, they had to let you sort of fall and wobble and things like that. So you learned what that felt like and get back up. And unfortunately that's true in business too, right? Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta make your own falls and learn what that looks like and feels like. And then it's not as bad as you think it is. Right. Um, But until you make those falls, until you make those fumbles, it's, it's way more scary than, than, you know, and scary in a way that prevents you from making the right decisions. Um, and so yeah. it, that, that's a tricky thing to be the person that's now taking a business and sort of wobbling and learning to wobble and know that there's a crash coming. Right. Um, <laughs> and you know, Dustin's side, like being like, I gotta let that happen. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, manage that and your siblings. It's, it's, it's an interesting, again, don't want to use interesting. It is a complex dynamic, right. Yeah. Of different things going on. Totally. Yeah. So for people listening to the episode who are interested in exploring working with a family member, what one word of advice would you give them to sort of help push them more towards that path or let them know whether it might be a good fit for them? So I'd like to hear from each of you. I'll start by saying, you know, we only know what's successful, you know, that we're successful in it. So I know it's worked for us. And that is the denominator that it was natural for us. And we didn't have conflict before on a conflict. Wasn't our language at all ever. You know, if we ever, if we had a conflict, it was like, I don't know. I, I could probably list on one hand the amount of conflicts that like big conflicts we've had as, as adults. So if you are thinking of a family member who you r- routinely regularly get into arguments and conflicts with, probably not a good idea to enter into business with them. I think that's got to be the litmus test. How many, how often do you argue? <laughs> yeah, I'll take a step further. Um, I think humor is important. You know, I think that's part of the friendship, too. So if like if uh, you and your sibling kind of get along and can crack jokes or even inside jokes about the family and stuff, that's a good sign that y'all can probably work together because you got to keep it light when things get uh, when things get tough because it's definitely tough. Business is nothing but tough after tough after tough. And uh, the way that uh, you continue to make it better is communication and face to face communication, either face to face or through Zoom and talk things out and work things out, uh, do that as often as possible. Nice. I keep thinking, I, I want to add this because I keep thinking about our mom and her sister. Uh, they lived, our, my aunt lived in Colorado for many years, like our entire life. And they used to do these big trips together. And so about once a year, they would spend one to two weeks together. And it was harmonious and they loved each other and long lost best friends. And then when the, our aunt moved back home and she actually lived with my mom for a few months, conflict, wow. Like you, and I was, at the time, me and my husband were just moving back. We were in the house too. And it was, oh, it was tough. It was, they went through a really rough patch because they figured out their exact opposite. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, are they, are they going to like end their relationship? So I think also like make sure you don't have that kind of like rose colored lens relationship with your sibling. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're like have spent a length of time together 
uh, more than just like those, those fun trips and stuff. Get yourself in an environment outside of just vacations to make sure y'all, y'all can handle it. <laughs> yeah, we had um, Jaquette Timmons teach a masterclass um, last week, and she's a financial behaviorist. Um, and she had something in there that really struck with me, and it's the TPI. So, um, so many of our issues with money is really about transparency, power, and intimacy. Right. Transparency, power and intimacy. Um, and when you go into business with other people, you start playing a lot with that transparency, power and intimacy. And so from the conflict side, to go to Danielle's point, if you're already starting with conflict around power and you go into business with that, mm. it's just going to be a constant fight. Right. Of who's the boss, who's right, who's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't even deal with the struggles of the business because you're dealing with the struggles of the relationship. Right. And so. Yeah. Um, you know, what I, what I tell people on business and in that is like, look, it's going to be, you're going to start with enough challenges already, right? You don't have to add additional challenges. You don't have to play it on extreme mode. How about you just play it on normal mode and deal with the challenges that come up and not inject as many as possible. Right. Um, and so that's what I would say is if you're going in as a sibling relationship with a lot of conflict and power and things like that, Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be hard. That's not going to end well. Yeah. It's not going to end well. (laughs) Um, so as the guest on today's show, and you get a twofer because you're two guests, right? You get to leave our listeners with a challenge or invitation, depending upon which one resonates with you. Some people like to give challenges. Some people like to give invitations. So based upon what we've talked about today, what would you challenge or invite our listeners to do? And Danielle, ladies first. Hmm. Well, around the sibling relationship, you you know, that's something that you'd have to determine personally. So I guess I will speak to any women listening and challenge them to go for those bigger roles that are presented to you that may present opportunity. And even if it's something that seems super intimidating and out of your league, that you can do it, you know, and just to go for it and um, don't play the comparison game. And don't let fear overtake uh, what you really want out of life in your career. That's wonderful, Danielle. Dustin? Yeah, and I guess to tie what we've been talking about, so also um, challenge you, I guess invite too, to, to take the business. So like when we combine businesses, I had my way of doing things, and Danielle came in, and especially now that she's taking over more, we're uh, – She's bringing parts of it in a certain direction, and I love that. So don't be afraid to uh, form it to what fits your personality. That's fantastic. You two, I I had hoped and I anticipated that this was going to be a great conversation. Thanks for being so transparent about what's going on in your relationship. Um, it's been really um, enlightening. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Charlie. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we enjoyed ourselves thoroughly. Can't wait to to listen to it. All right, listeners, so you heard it from Danielle and Dustin. Women, how can you stand tall and go for those bigger roles that let you play your best self um, and really excel? And for everyone else starting a business, how can you create it so that it pulls in your unique gates? Remember, we talk about genius, affinities, talents, expertise, and strengths. So how can you stand tall and how can you make it work for you? Until next time, stand tall and start finishing. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, 
head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.